0: OCD is sometimes referred to as the doubting disorder because with OCD, you have a lot of doubt about everything, about yourself, about circumstances, about life in general. It's also, you know, you overthink about overthinking, doubt that you're doubting, things like that. And it's very much this like cycle and like snowball effect, right? Well... OCD can also be looked at in the light of, it's a catch-22, and it's also a self-fulfilling prophecy. So this is something that I really want to talk about in this episode, and I'm super excited for it because this is actually a great reminder for myself as well. So let's just get into it. Alrighty, welcome back, everybody. My name is Jenny, as you might know already. Um, I am 23 years old, live in Colorado, and uh, my address is—it's <laughs> gonna—it's gonna stay a secret. But I, yeah, I'm 23 years old, and I have been dealing with OCD since I was a child, and I never knew what it was until I was diagnosed when I was about 15 years old. And even then, I didn't fully understand what it was until years later. But I have been in recovery for about two and a half years now. And um, it's definitely every single day is an adventure. Every single day, I have to just buckle down and work on my recovery. That's just kind of the nature of this disorder. But I have learned so much through this experience. And so my goal is to help others going through it so that they won't have to struggle as much as I have. And if I could help even one person and ease their load, then this podcast is a success for me. So I decided that I wanted to make this podcast episode because I know I've touched on this a few times in other episodes, I think. And this is something that really resonated with me. And this helps actually, this has helped me so much with my recovery. And I was actually talking to my therapist about this today. So before we get into this subject, I kinda wanna preface it with, I am not a therapist. I am not a licensed professional. I am not any sort of professional in this mental health profession. I am just a kid who's clumsy (laughs) and awkward and going through recovery for myself. I make a lot of mistakes and I am an OCD advocate for the International OCD Foundation. However, that does not mean I am perfect. It means that I am imperfectly working through this and trying to help others along the way. So for myself, I've actually been going through a relapse lately, working through it, and The hard thing about, um, this time around for me is that it really caught me off guard because it wasn't just OCD, so I have a couple comorbid disorders, and that is what has been making it very difficult for me, and I'd actually like to do an episode in the near future on comorbidity and how it plays with OCD and how it complicates things, but that's something that I've really been struggling with lately, and, um... I realized that this podcast and just advocacy in general is just such a great tool for me because it keeps me safe and honest in my recovery. Because I can't just sit around and allow myself to relapse and just like wallow in this self-pity. I need to get up every day and work on my recovery, not just for myself, but for you guys too, right? So I talk a lot about these tools that help and I know that they do help, but I need to live it myself as well. And so I just wanted to let you guys know that it's not always easy, and I know that, and I'm working through it with you, and I am far, far from perfect. But one thing that's really helped me in my recovery, I was talking with my therapist about this today during our appointment, is the fact that OCD is completely a liar, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And for me, this is something, there are a few, there are a few motivators for me in getting better. A lot of it is my why, like why I want to get better and who I wanna be on the other side of recovery and that type of life that I'm striving to attain. But another one for me, especially when I'm going through hard times and I'm I'm having a very hard time finding motivation to put in the work or I just get stuck, like I feel like I've kind of plateaued and I'm stagnant is honestly anger. and anger can be a really good tool it can also be very dangerous but i think harnessed in the right way it can actually be used to your advantage now this isn't anger at anyone it is anger at the disorder itself so what do i mean by that I think sometimes we can all get caught up in being frustrated that we are the lucky winners. We are the ones who have OCD. Like I think everybody who has struggled with OCD to any severe extent is going to admit that they wish that they just, sometimes they just get in that mindset of wishing that they didn't have it, wishing that they were quote unquote normal. That's not the type of anger I'm meaning here though. I mean anger against OCD in the sense of seeing what has taken from you and changing that anger and using it to push back against the OCD and basically getting fed up. I think that's a greater way to put it, not necessarily angry, but just fed up and realizing that it's told you all of these lies this whole time and it's basically held you hostage and taken you as a prisoner and it basically expects you to just to just like go with it and to just take it at face value and listen to it and say like do whatever it says and when you kind of step back and realize that OCD really is a self-fulfilling prophecy for me that really gives me the motivation and the the frustration to fight against it and to stand up against it and say you know what I've given into this for so long and I don't care what it takes I'm going to fight against it. So what do I mean by it being a self-fulfilling prophecy in a catch-22? Well, a lot of times OCD presents these fears, these very real fears, that, or at least these fears that feel very real, and then it blows them out of proportion, and it convinces you to perform all of these compulsions to try to prevent these fears from coming true. But a lot of times... What it decides not to inform you is that by performing those compulsions, you actually often are more likely to have that end fear come true than if you were to just live life without compulsions. So I think it's easier to explain this if I give examples because I'm really bad at explaining things sometimes. Um, So for example, hit and run OCD. This is one of the hugest ones that is It's really blatantly obvious that OCD is just toying with you when you just look at it from an outside perspective. So hit and run OCD, as many of you probably know, is when you have a lot of obsessions and compulsions around, did I just hit somebody? Did I maybe, like, as you're driving, did I run over somebody? Did I hit a dog? Did I, did I hit a kid? Did I do this? Did I do that? And going back and checking like you know driving back around to where you were making sure nobody was injured maybe checking your mirrors way too frequently looking at your speedometer as you're driving making sure you're going the exact speed limit all of these things and what does that do now if you're driving and you see somebody texting you're going to like texting and driving I mean that's to me that's frustrating also it's just like Gets gets on my nerves when people are just like constant. It's not, it's not like, you know, look down, text a quick, like, okay, whatever, or at a light. That's one thing. But when someone is literally glued to Okay, one second. Sorry, my brain is all over the place today. Um, I literally saw a lady one time full blown writing an essay. I kid you not, she had notebook paper and a pen writing on her steering wheel for like A couple of miles weaving in and out of lanes I called the cops on her it's pretty great Um, but that type of thing you can obviously tell that this person is going to be a more dangerous driver because of the amount of distraction that they have now replace that exact same distraction of a phone and and look at it as you put your phone on um, so you know where like it shows like your gas gauge and your speedometer and stuff If you put your phone up there and you're constantly looking at your phone right there that's still like an extreme distraction obviously now you take the phone away and you just leave the speedometer if somebody is compulsively checking their speedometer the entire time they're driving they're going to be as distracted as if they were on the phone texting and same thing as like checking your mirrors if you're checking your mirrors so frequently you're not gonna see what's coming up in front of you and you're going to be a more dangerous driver so This is where it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy of, I'm so scared that I'm going to be a dangerous driver. I'm so scared that I'm going to hit somebody. So OCD says I need to do all these compulsions and check all of these things as I'm driving. That is going to make you more likely to be a dangerous driver. That's going to make you more likely to hit somebody. Another good example is relationship OCD. This is actually something that I've extremely been struggling with lately. This This time around... Harm OCD and relationship OCD have been my two main subtypes that I've been struggling with at the moment. Um, So with relationship OCD, a lot of the times, at least for me, and I know this is different for everybody, but the way my relationship OCD manifests is I don't want to hurt people. Whoa, sorry. I just dropped the phone. Speaking of hurting people, I just dropped all of you. Sorry. Um, I don't want to hurt people ever in any way, shape, or form. But I also have like this thing with... I don't want to annoy them. That kind of trickles into it, but I also don't want them to leave me. So um So I have a lot of obsessions over like, well, what if I hurt their feelings or what if I said something that like was rude or what if I did this and it and it really offended them or what if I was like yeah like what if I hurt them and they're just not telling me because they're just being nice but they actually hate me behind my back or what if I'm annoying them um and so compulsively I want to go and check like hey if I'm annoying you let me know or go and check and make sure like hey uh kind of gauge like oh do they still like me are they still like or are they too annoyed with me, or did I maybe do something to, like, make them not want to hang out with me, all sorts of stuff, like, the the list goes on and on, but what I'm saying is just to, just breaking it down and taking one little thing, right, so I don't want to annoy people, like, I, I, I would hate to have a relationship that, to me, was meaningful, and years down the road, I realized that they were just, they were just my friend out of obligation, and they were just, like, I annoyed the crap out of them for years. I would hate that, right? But (sighs) OCD says I need to go and make sure and check that I'm not annoying them. You know what that's called? It's called annoying. (laughs) So... All of these compulsions OCD makes me do, it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a catch-22. So you do the compulsion because you're worried that they're going to be annoyed. But then they're annoyed because you're doing the compulsion, so you need to do the compulsion again to make sure that they're not annoyed, but they actually are annoyed because of your OCD. Like, it just keeps going on and on and on. And this can be said for so many, like, every single subtype, you can break it down and see how this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it just blows my mind that OCD warps it in a way that people fall for it. I'm not saying that people who fall for it are dumb. I'm not saying that at all because (sighs) this is awful. I'm, I'm not good at words. Sometimes I'm, I'm frustrated at the fact that OCD can make it sound so convincing and can make it feel so real that it basically enslaves so many people. It breaks my heart, honestly. And it frustrates me for myself looking at it when... So, I think that you might be able to relate. If you have OCD, you probably can relate to the fact that when you're, when you're actively going through like the obsessive and compulsive cycle, you're so in your head, you're so anxious, you're just trying to do anything to get this feeling to go away, right? But then when you're in kind of like a healthier mind space and looking at it from the outside, you can so easily call out OCD's lies. And that's why it frustrates me so much because I'll be in the, I'll, you know, I'll have past that anxious phase, A few hours later, I'm like, man, why did I let myself fall for it again? Why did I let it call the shots again? And it just like, then it leads to the whole, like I'm beating myself up, What do I think I'm doing? And that's just the cruelty of OCD. It's just like this whole cycle and this whole snowball effect. But looking at it from this perspective and seeing that it is a self-fulfilling prophecy a lot of the times and the compulsions it's making you do is actually bringing you closer to your end fear rather than further from it is something that helps me personally fight against it. Because when it starts trying to convince me to perform all of these compulsions and constantly add more compulsions on top of that, it helps me to remember, like, yeah, this is going to bring you closer to your fear. So it might be terrifying to sit with that discomfort, that anxiety, that uncertainty. But I also know that OC is just trying to deceive me. So I don't know how helpful... Blah, 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 blah. I don't know how helpful this would be for anybody, but at least for myself, um, it's really helped me look at it in that light. And in those moments, I have moments. Okay, so exposures for me, like on your hierarchy, right? One through ten, how how bad your is your anxiety? Usually you tackle ones like, especially when you're starting out with ERP, you don't start tackling your tens right off the bat. You usually start in the lower range and build up to the 10s. But I realize, like, there's a tipping point for me in my brain. I'm actually just thinking about this right now. Sometimes I'll, I'll consciously, like, realize and call out, like, this is my OCD right now with the obsession. And before I decide whether or not to perform the compulsion, it's, like, some somehow... It's it's like in the middle of my higher, hierarchy or like a little lower down on the scale, like of anxiety, that in my head I can convince myself to follow through with the exposure, and um, I don't know if this is making any sense right now. Honestly, I'm kind of zoned out and just like rambling. But what I'm saying is the way that I I think. This is really effective in those moments when you really have to take a second to say, "Okay, this is OCD, and I really want to give into it right now," and you consciously think about it. In that moment, that split second like tipping point decision of am I going to do the ex- th- 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 am I going to do the exposure or am I going to give into this again? At that moment, that defining moment, that's when this exact tip and this trick can come in really handy. Because it's like, okay, in the moment, have the obsession, split second later, realize that it's OCD, acknowledge it. In that moment of like wrestling with yourself, wrestling with the disorder, you can say, hey, OCD has been known to be a self-fulfilling prophecy I've seen it in my life on these different occasions so I'm going to push through at least for me it gives me that little extra motivation when I don't feel like following through on an exposure and sometimes I really really need that now this might be harder to do when you're doing an exposure that's like a 10 on your hierarchy it can definitely be part of that toolkit but it's 10s Tens, like, you have to really work up to them, but this can also be a really, really helpful thing on your tens, especially if you implement this on, like, the lower exposures, and then you realize you realize how much mm-hmm. of a self-fulfilling prophecy it has been for you in the past, then when you battle those tens and work towards conquering them, you can call it out and be like, yeah, OCD has actually brought me closer to my fears rather than further from them. Closer to, like, um, making my fears come true rather than, like, you know, keeping me safer like like it lies and says that it's doing. So even on those very, very high, difficult exposures, OCD is still trying to convince me. To basically do compulsions that are actually going to draw me closer to my end fear. Now, you remember at the beginning when I said I'm not a professional in any way, shape, or form? (laughs) I think my rambling during this episode specifically has proven that point. Like, I, it's hard sometimes when you have, like, a tool or a trick that works for you. It's hard to explain it to other people sometimes. But I really hope that I did it in a way that... I could like it you could get something from it and for me it's just getting to that point where you're so frustrated and so fed up with the lies that OCD has been feeding you that you are going to give up that false comfort OCD gives you and step into the discomfort of exposures because you finally want to be free from all of the deception that it keeps feeding you. And for me, I'm a very analytical, logical, need to think through the process of everything I do before I do it type of person. I have an engineer brain. It's just how my brain works. I'm not the type of person who just can take something at face value and be like, okay, let's do it. I I need to think through the process and understand what I'm getting through. So seeing at it at seeing ocd at this different angle of oh yeah it's lying to you like okay everybody says ocd is lying to you don't listen to it we know that but this actually puts it into words and explains how it's lying to you and kind of gives examples so for me it's very helpful for somebody who doesn't have such an analytical brain and maybe has more of a like i just need to make the jump before i overthink type of brain this might not be as helpful but if you could have gotten anything out of it, then yay. (laughs) So I know it's been a while. I think it's been a while since I had a car chat. It's been a little while. I've been out for the count for a while. Like I said, I've really been focusing on my own recovery, stepped back for a little second and it's been rough. I'm telling you, like I, I think one of the hardest, but also one of the best parts about being an advocate is that um, being an advocate with OCD, you are still going through it through your whole life. Like, obviously you're going to, if, if you really lean into the treatment, the ERP, you're going to get to the point where you're basically just in maintenance and it's like, you know, it comes to you automatically basically because it's so ingrained in, in your daily routine. But there are going to be slip-ups, there are going to be setbacks, there are going to be days that are harder, there might be a month or so that's going to be harder, and I think that that keeps advocacy, it keeps advocates real, and it helps, at least for myself, it really helps me connect with those who are just starting their journey, because I still know what it feels like. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I experienced that, but it was like seven years ago, so I kind of forget, but I sort of remember, no, it's like, yeah, I went through this today, I went through this last week, I'm struggling with this, but being an advocate for OCD isn't saying, here, I'm going to tell you what to do so you can go do it. It's going to say, here, here, I'm going to share what I've done to help so that we can do this together. And I think that's really powerful because it's more of a collaborative thing rather than, like, a mentor thing. At least for—that's the way I like to look at it. Like, we're all equals in this game. It's not like one person is above another. So that's what I love about this community. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about the IOCDF, just, like— the conference and everything, which by the way is coming up in San Francisco uh, in July, June, July. I need to look at the date. Um, but I just, I just love the community that has been built. Um, even though it's been born of adversity, I think it's a really special community. So I am very grateful for each and every one of you. And look. If you're going through ERP treatment right now, I'm super proud of you. It is difficult. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. The hardest thing I continue to do in my life. But I promise you it's worth it. I'm saying that for myself as much as I am for you. Because sometimes I just need to convince myself of that. So, um, sorry I was a bit scatterbrained in this episode. If you didn't know before that I'm scatterbrained, well, surprise, that's what concussions do to you. So hope you guys have a great week. And until next time, just really lean into the discomfort and you will see progress so long as you put your all into it. And I'll catch up with y'all next time.